welcome in, randos. Come one, come all. Come hither. <laughs> Closer. Let's get personal. Closer. Brian, can you do like a, a zoom in? Just uh, to get yeah. them really creepily mm, close up to definitely us. Definitely, I can. Beautiful. Randos, welcome into the Phantom at Random Podcast. I am Ed. That is Brian. We are back with you again. And we have a very fun episode this week. Episode yes, 144. Sir. Uh, we're currently recording this on uh, Tuesday, April 12th, so we yes. got a little bit of news that happened today, unfortunate yeah, news. unfortunate. But uh, we are excited to have you in. Today we are talking about movies that defined our fandoms. Yes, sir. So Tracing our lineage back to the movies that made us. So, Brian, you want to explain this a little bit more? So it's not necessarily our favorite movies. Yeah, no. So it's not going to be like our top 10 movies of all time, nothing like that. These are movies that basically shaped what or helped shape what we love today you know i'm a big horror fan he's a big anime fan what led to us loving all this what led to us doing this podcast more hentai fan but you're splitting hairs it's all yeah. the same so <laughs> yeah. tentacles all that good stuff <laughs> uh, i gotta <laughs> you got... it's been a while <laughs> yeah now remember he had to rent it on vhs there was no porn hub that time <laughs> that's very true i had to hand draw that shit i was like a caveman just oh yeah more tentacles <laughs> sound effects and all hey 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 <laughs> uh, but we, uh, we're we going to get right into this today. But before we do, we have an unfortunate fandom. Fatality. This right, literally yeah. just broke right a couple before. of hours ago before we started recording. But uh, Gilbert Gottfried, uh, the comedian, probably best known as the voice actor of Iago the Bird from Aladdin. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has passed away at the age of 67. I didn't realize how sick he was. Apparently, it was complications from muscular dystrophy. Oof. Yeah, I didn't know that. So um yeah you know you he's a weird looking dude anyway so I guess I guess you couldn't tell I remember him from Problem Child. Junior, oh, yeah. you are a problem child. <laughs> but I mean one of the most you're talking fandom I mean instantly recognizable voice. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it be voice acting commercials he was the Geico, uh, the the Geico Gecko. Oh written. Really? Not not Geico Gecko. Uh, I was gonna say he's more British. Yeah. No. Uh. What was the it? Uh, Aflac. Oh, Aflac. The other insurance. Okay, that makes yeah. more sense. Aflac. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I mean, he he was a legend. I mean, even some of his, or I should say, not even some. A lot of his stand-up comedy is just to die for. Yeah. Um, which he literally did. But <laughs> <laughs> I had to did rest you? rest in peace, Gilbert Godfrey. Yes. Uh, you will be missed. Uh, let's get into now. Into the now. Into the now. By going back to the past. Yeah. By visiting movies that defined our fandom. So Back to the past for the future. Oh, yeah. That's, well, it was on my list, but it didn't make the final cut. I'm surprised. So speaking of the <laughs> final cut, we each picked five. Started out as three, and I'm like, Brian, this is hey, impossible. Yeah. Right. I've got like 30 to 50 picks here. I'm like, there's no way I can narrow it down to just three. So he... He graciously Ooh. let me bump it up to five. I did. I'm and, a nice man. <laughs> and we're going to jump down our five, and we have some honorable mentions. But, again, these are the movies that, again, this is a fandom-based podcast. And Brian and I, we love talking all sorts of fandoms. And whether you're inspired by movies, television, books, art, music, there's yeah. a lot of different avenues to kind of get into different fandoms. and. Yeah. These five movies are the ones that really set us on the path in certain areas to really get us into uh, some of the nerdy shit we're into today. For sure. So do you want to kick things off? Do you want me to kick things off? 
Uh, you can kick it off. All right. Yeah, we got one of yours here, so. So I'll kick things off with, Brian mentioned earlier, big anime fan. Uh, this is kind of, I cheated a little bit. This is a twofer for me. Mm-hmm. But uh, we have Princess Mononoke and Akira. So we'll start with Akira. Akira. Akira, Akira. <laughs> hey, Akira. baby, when you talk like that. Have oh. you have you seen Akira? No, I that's, haven't seen either of these. That's going to happen. No, really. Especially you being a quasi-horror guy. That surprises me. Uh, okay. <clears throat> but, All right. I think you've mentioned it before. Yeah. So Akira came out in 1990. And if you talk to a lot of people in anime circles, it's often credited as like the thing that westernized anime. Huh. Before that, it was a very niche market. Uh, you had to go to like weird underground stores mm-hmm, yeah. to find like never mind dubs like dubs weren't even a usually really they much had of a thing back glory then. holes in the back it, yeah it was sketchy I was born <laughs> too goddamn late but Akira um, the masterpiece it was so cool seeing like ultra sci-fi Neo Tokyo the animation was just way ahead of the game and even if you haven't seen Akira you you've all seen the iconic red motorcycle with the red jumpsuit, with the pill on the back, oh, yeah. walking towards it. I mean, it became such a pop culture staple. And I saw it a little bit later in life, but even then, I understood what the hype was all about, and I had to include it on my list because it really did spark and bring anime into the mainstream. Now, a movie I did see when it first came out in 1997 was Princess Mononoke. This was my first Studio Ghibli <clears throat> film. I didn't know it was that old. I thought it was like a more recent nope. show. Nope. So this uh, this came out in 97, and it blew my goddamn mind. Uh, this was, again, first Ghibli film I had ever seen. After that, I was obsessed. I hopped into their whole catalog. I mean, you guys know Spirited Away, Howl's Moving Castle, uh, My Neighbor Totoro. The list goes on. There's so many iconic films and this is where I, it finally dawned on me, and this is why I had to include it. This is where anime transcended. Like, a lot of people like, oh, it's a cartoon. It, this is when I realized it's art. Yeah. And going and watching just how Ghibli does these films, and it, it is just, it's breathtaking, a lot of these scenes. Breathtaking. And, uh, I would highly recommend, Randos, if you have not gotten into anime at all and you want to at least dip your toe, look at some of the Studio Ghibli films. Again, they're not, it's not a... 1,000 episode anime series like One Piece. (laughs) You could sit down, watch one of these films in roughly 90 minutes, and you will not be disappointed. But uh, it it definitely, it gave me such more of an appreciation, you know, growing up on the TV shows of Dragon Ball, Pokemon, Sailor Moon, but then seeing that anime could be serious and taken seriously as an art form, uh, it impacted my fandom greatly. Amazing. And, th- and that's the story of how Ed got into the nerdiest fandom in the world. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know, man. There's, I'm, <laughs> no, the, I, to- the nerdiest, most toxic fandom in the world is Souls fans. I'm convinced. My mind has been changed. Good. The worst of the worst. The, oh. <laughs> the creme de la creme. I don't know, man. I would. The furry fandom's pretty, uh, Oof. I want to say exclusive, but I guess you're, if you're in it, it's pretty inclusive. Yeah, um, I guess. And the at bronies. Least they, at least they mean well. You know? Yeah. yeah they and they're, the, not, they're not hurting anybody. I was going to say the bronies. Is that the My Little Pony? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Goodness. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess since you started off with your major fandom, it only makes sense for me to start off with mine. And one of the movies, actually, I'm going to say the movie that got me into horror is Nightmare on Elm Street 2. Pas deux. Not even the first one, even though, don't get me wrong, I love the first one too. 
Nightmare on Elm Street 2, considered one of the worst of the franchise, actually my number one tied with the original. I was six years old, five years old, caught my mom and aunt watching it, hid behind the couch. I think I've told this story before. Yeah. And I saw that claw burst through the chest and I was like, oh, <laughs> and uh, oh, the rest yeah. is history, man. I just, no matter how scared I got with this movie, I would always sneak in and watch it. Something was wrong there. I knew it, and I was hooked from the beginning. Ever since then, I've been a diehard horror fan. Something is still wrong. Yeah, something's still <laughs> wrong. But the, the undertones of gayness helped me come out of the closet. I mean, um, oh jeez, <laughs> no, no, seriously, I did. And as I grew up, I knew it. I started disliking the movie because I thought that's what I was supposed to do. And then I really had an appreciation for how good this movie actually is despite its flaws and that's because freddy is still very fucking scary but it's different from the first one it and wasn't until dream warriors that they really started focusing on yeah. freddy's kind of a, a gag comic relief right this was before he kind of got into the uh, comedy horror area and every time i hear it every time i see it it's just like that nostalgia washes over me and i've never been the same since yeah, it's a good pick. Good pick. And the I mean, story behind it is insane, too. I mean, Mark Patton and how he got basically ejected from Hollywood because of his role in this film and the way the director treated him. It's a, The documentary is insane, but yeah, it was. it's a great movie to me, and it will always be the movie I credit getting me into horror. Yeah, it deserves to be on your list, then. Mm -hmm. It's a good pick. Yeah. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pivot a little bit. But I'm going to stay in Japan, people. <laughs> I'm not going too damn far. All right. I'm going with Godzilla vs. Mecha Godzilla. It's Godzilla! I wish I had that drop on here. I know. I really That's do. That's all right. That's why you have me. Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Yes. Came out in 1974. It was my first kaiju film, which back then I didn't even know what that meant. I know. Fucking but boy, kaiju. oh boy, was it going to change my childhood for the better. So I fell in love with the kaiju, the giant monster films as a child. I was lucky enough that I um, had an uncle that had a lot of the uh, the VHS tapes, and I, I loved combing through them. They were very just animated. You would see the monsters on the front, and, I mean, you know, had all of the OG, you know, Godzilla vs. King Kong, Godzilla vs. Rodan, Godzilla vs. Mothra. I mean, the list goes on. Godzilla was usually a mainstay. He yeah. was usually always kind of involved. But, um, you know, you even had some of the standalone, like Ultraman came in, some of those films. And it and it was really cool, too, because you got the awful dubs. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> which, you know, none of, the, none of the words matched up with what they were saying. And that was also my first experience with dubbing. Um, you know, young me, I didn't really understand. I'm like, well, why isn't it matching up? And then, you know, come to find out, my parents explained to me, well, it's because it's in Japan. Mm. They speak Japanese. You're seeing the English rendition. Right. And it didn't matter to me because it just blew my mind seeing those monsters. And I know, like, maybe it's a little rose-colored glasses, but looking back at those suits, I don't care. I still think they're amazing. <laughs> and that the these suits. films inspired so much. I mean, even nowadays... I mean, yeah. you look at a little bit later on with like Power Rangers, even way later on um, with things like Pacific Rim. I was going to say, I think my favorite kaiju film is Pacific Rim. Yep. That's because I didn't really get into classic Godzilla until a lot later. 
and by then they were dated. It's kind of hard to really love that if you didn't watch it when you were younger. Ultraman, on the other hand, I, that was that was my shit back when I was a kid. Uh, but Godzilla and Ultraman would team up all the time, yeah. and it was badass. I just remember we were so poor. My dad only had the antenna, and uh, Ultraman was the only thing that would come on. So that's what in we in black would watch. and white, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it was amazing. But Pacific Rim, absolutely. One of the best ones for me, yeah. Which, consequently, they made into an anime, which I heard is pretty good. Right, and then they made a second one that we don't talk about. Yeah, we don't talk about that. It might as well be Bruno. Right. We, we don't talk about that shit. <laughs> but yeah, Godzilla vs. Godzilla, iconic kaiju film, had to be on my list. It got me into that whole genre. Yep. Good pick, good pick. Thank you, my friend. It's tough deciding which one comes next. Um... Dude, I was looking at my list all day long. Like, how do I cut yeah. these certain things? I'm like, all right, I, I, I got to do it. I, I guess I'm just going to kind of go in order of when I saw these movies. So I guess the next up would be SLC Punk. Oh, man. Punk's not dead. Matthew Lillard was king for me. He's, like, popular now, and everyone loves him and all this shit. Man, I knew Matthew Lillard when... He was um, raving against Volkswagen, against his father, and wearing blue hair. Dude, this movie just... Then Scream. This was like... Yeah, then Scream. And this was my introduction to my transformation from like an innocent little kid into my rebel days, which was, I don't know, 12, 11. Believe it or not, I was very young when I started. This is what coaxed him into getting into the big red Clifford bus. <laughs> yeah, causing with the, with the crazy ruckus. hippies. Uh, that's when I turned into an asshole. But uh, this is when I started wearing mohawks and cut off. He remains jeans an asshole to long, this day. Yes, without Thankfully. all the dress up. But this really just opened my mind to a whole new subculture of awesomeness. And I remember I could recite every word from this movie and. It taught you a lot because it, it, by the end of the movie, you learn like, and when I watched it later in life, you really learn that you can, you can raise hell against the system and you can act like you don't care and all be all about anarchy. But in the end, you can do a lot more damage from inside the system and you don't need to be a loser to be a rebel and also drugs and dead friends and everything else. Like it meant a lot to me growing throughout my life. Every time I pop it in and watch this movie it just like reminds me of how it all started when it all began when it all kept going where it all ended up but i can't say enough about it dude devin sawa heroin bob everything about this heroin movie bob. was fucking gold <laughs> and if you haven't seen it dude it's a movie that holds up you can watch it right now and still enjoy the hell out of it yeah it's a great flick yeah Absolute great flick. And the soundtrack is bar none, one of the best ever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Speaking of soundtracks, mm. uh, my next one is a musical. Mm -hmm. A musical. How about that? It's actually one of the movies that kind of got me into musicals and get me, got me a bit more open-minded. And for a little more nostalgia, one of the first movies you kind of showed me when I met Ed, like when we both came into each other's life and into each other. I mean, um, <laughs> no, <laughs> um, that but no, that I remember. Did not happen. Yeah, when we both realized we were like, oh shit, we like a lot of the same nerd fandom shit. He was like, have you seen this movie? I was like, no. And one of the first times I came over to your house, you showed me it. So yeah. Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog <laughs> came out in Fillion, 2008, man. and uh, this film, man, 
So it was actually created during the writer's strike, which again, it seems like forever ago. But when that hit, if you randos may remember, unless you're very young, hmm. uh, pretty much Hollywood, TV, everything came to a standstill because all the writers went on strike. They couldn't write new material. So Joss Whedon, uh, even though he's been canceled now, <laughs> yeah. but Joss Whedon of Buffy fame, Avengers fame, Firefly, you name it. Uh, him and his brother decided to write a, or it was something that was in the background they had kind of been toying with. They wanted to write a musical about a supervillain <laughs> that blogs, but he sucks at being a supervillain. So, <laughs> and sucks at blogging. So Joss Whedon said, what better time than now? We have infinite time. Yeah. Uh, let's go ahead and reach out to some of our close friends. So they released, they released uh, or they reached out to Neil Patrick Harris, NPH. Yep. You know, Doogie Hauser himself. Big old Hauser. Nathan Fillion. Again, Firefly Connection right there. Felicia Day. And Felicia Day. And Felicia Day was the key. I was going to by this point, 2008, she had only done the Guild, right? So, no, she was in Buffy already. Oh, she so was? She had been in Buffy. She was one of the um, potential Slayers. So, she mm. came in a little bit later. But that was where the, the Joss Whedon connection happened. Yeah. But at this point... And there's kind of a cool, like, little story, um, not to go on too much of a tangent, but when they were p pitching this movie and what they could do, because they had virtually no budget, because, again, writer's strike, they, everybody footed the bill themselves, and Felicia Day went into the boardroom execs, this is after the guild launched, and she's like, no, 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 it's like, we don't need to put this on DVD, we don't need to, we can release it on YouTube, hmm. and they were all scratching their heads, and Joss was kind of like... What's you need a, to listen to her because this is working. Yeah. What's a YouTube? <laughs> yeah. And this is, again, this was the infancy of YouTube. This Dude, is when it was still kind of... When it was like Time Magazine's greatest invention. I remember it on the cover. And I was, even I was like, what the fuck is YouTube? <laughs> like, Yeah, it but, was around that time. But to get to the point, um, it was a perfect storm of the right actors, the writing, <laughs> the fact that it did not take itself too seriously, yep. and the music. The music and the plot... To this day, I still listen to the soundtrack. It absolutely slaps. And you can, I, I'm not sure if you can still go because it was free. That's how it launched. It was three parts on YouTube. Uh, it may still be free to this day. Maybe. If not, it's on most streaming sites or you can pick up the DVD or Blu-ray pretty cheap. <laughs> but I highly recommend it um, if you're into musicals at all or any of these actors or if you just want to hear something cool, give it a chance. But this inspired me to branch out and you know i started looking into like other musical type things that's how i found once yeah which i fell in love with which was a very very close to making this list I, i'm surprised it didn't i love that movie now um didn't but, like it at first i'll admit but it but i mean even like me. random shit like um repo the genetic opera yeah uh head uh hedwig and the angry inch i mean Rocky Horror Picture Show, the list goes on, and I started looking into this more and more after finding this film, so it really inspired my fandom, and now current day, you're getting like Hamilton, uh, Between the Heights, so I mean, it's, you know, it, Lin-Manuel Miranda's like a one-man army of musicals mm. right now, but yeah, uh, it, it definitely inspired me to look into that fandom, and I'm glad it did. Yeah, that's... Um that's a good pick. I was surprised to see it, like, in the five that you would have picked, I didn't think you would but makes complete sense yeah so. it had a big impact on me yeah and i watched um, i watched that before once so. right um all right i'm gonna go a little out of order here because this one i saw next the one after this really 
shifted my fandom life. So, but Fight Club. Uh, this is the first movie. All right, I'll be back. <laughs> yeah. This is going to take a while. <laughs> I have it tattooed on my back. I mean, it's really hard to explain how much this movie affected me and how it got me into fandom. Mostly the art of filmmaking and storytelling. I am Jack's brain. Yeah, yeah. It was, and it introduced me to reading because I think this is one of the first books after I saw the movie. I went and read the book, and I'm like, holy shit, books are even better than the movie, you know? Um, Star-studded cast, too. Brad Pitt, Edward Norton. Uh, it's Helena just Bonham Carter. Helena Bonham Carter. Meatloaf. It was grungy, and it was dirty, but... Not to cut you off, I, I always forget Meatloaf's character. What was his character's name? His name was <laughs> Robert Paulson. <laughs> Thank you. I had to. It was, yeah, it was mind tri And this is in, like, the heyday of me smoking weed when I saw it. Sorry, Mr. Chambers. I don't do it anymore, I promise. Um, We're not lighting this shit up after this yeah. cast? God damn. But, More damn, dude, I watched this movie over and over for, like, a month straight, and... It, you notice something new every time. Like I said, it was more about the storytelling and the film, the cinematography than anything, but the acting itself. And it really like helped me be comfortable with being a man when we were so underprivileged and overlooked. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, man, I... I'm not. I'm getting away from the pitchforks yeah. on this. You sound no. like Cam Newton right yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? No, it really just like... Um, Again, it's hard. It opened me up to this is when I started looking at, you know, special effects advisors, um, the credits at the end of the movie for who made what. Because yep. I was like, holy shit, they did something amazing with this movie, you know? And the identity issue and just like. One of the best twists in a movie ever. Yeah. They use not only mental health, but like severe hallucinations to make you think geniusly that there's two people and really spoiler it's just edward norton the whole time yeah. you know and brad pitt was fucking amazing edward norton was amazing all in all i think this is the perfect storm of writing filming and acting yeah you put caught, together you caught all of those actors at the right time yeah right at their peak and it stuck in my head the second i saw it and again i watched it forever after that yeah it's iconic i I still go back every couple of years, and that's on my list of I got to check it out. Yeah. All right. This one's a little bit more popular, Randos, but mm -hmm. that's all right. That's all right, because it still had a big impact on me. Hmm. The Lord of the Rings. Oh, The Fellowship of the Ring slash <coughs> the Two Towers. So oh, yeah. The Fellowship of the Ring came out in 2001. And we finally get to see Tolkien's works come to life, mm -hmm. uh, directed by Peter Jackson. And it was just, it was a game changer. Yeah. Because before that, high fantasy wasn't selling very well no. in theaters. And after this, I mean, if, if we didn't get these, there would have never been a Game of Thrones or multiple other fantasy iterations we got down the line, in my opinion, or at least to the extent that we got them. Yeah. And... I can't think of anything. Even this for me, like this got me, this opened up my mind. Cause again, I was, I think I was 16 when uh, fellowship came out. And <laughs> I remember I had a buddy that was a big Tolkien fan and or Tolkien, however you want to pronounce it. Yeah. Um, 
and he's like, dude, he's like, we gotta, we gotta go to the theater. We gotta check this out. I hear it's amazing. I'm like, all right, I know nothing about it. And I'm like, all right, I sit down. I'm like, all right, you know, I'll check out this. What, what's it going to be like an hour and a half film? It was like three plus hours later. <laughs> and it's like, I felt like I was on the journey oh, with Frodo man. and Sam. Dude. And then it, it just, it, it got me sucked into high fantasy, the setting itself. To this day, I'm still, it's my favorite genre. Uh, Brandon Sanderson, we talk about a yes, lot. He yeah. dabbles into high fantasy a ton. Obviously, Game of Thrones. The list kind of goes on. But then, I'll, I'll to this day, one of my favorite memories. So, I was hyped to shit when The Two Towers was coming out. <laughs> and this was a couple years after Fellowship. So, at this point, same buddy. And we get a couple other friends. Opening night. We bought IMAX tickets. Yeah. I'm like, all right, dude. I'm like, we're going to go all out. We showed up. I think we had like a couple nips or something. We were like 18 or 19 or something like all that when it came out. Fully erect walking <laughs> into the theater. <laughs> so we all pre-gamed. We're getting, we get in our seats. We're all fucking pumped up. And it was amazing. It blew my mind. Yet I had one buddy that I think he might have had one too many nips. But the most epic part of the film is Helm's Deep. When it's the giant battle, I don't care what anyone says. It is one of the most iconic and crazy. Just your heart is pumping. Helm's Deep, so that's just the tip, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah the, the last fight was. but So if you're in an IMAX, you know the fucking theater is just boom, yes. boom. boom. Your, yeah. your seats are shaking. And I'm sitting there like this is the most magical moment ever. <laughs> I turn. My buddy is passed the fuck out <laughs> oh my right God. next to me. Like, and he stayed blacked out for the entire rest of the film. Wait, blacked out drunk or just bored and sleeping? Both. Oh, okay. Like, it was a mix of both. He's like, yeah, I don't, he's like, I don't get it. Um, I'm like, dude, how could, <laughs> how could you sleep through that? I have to uh, admit and possibly turn in my fandom card again. I do enjoy watching them now. I always watch them in two parts for each movie, but... I did not like Lord of the Rings for a long, long time. Blasphemy. Even after we started this podcast, I didn't really care for them that much. And then I got a Blu-ray collection, really watched it, sat down, and was like, I got to dedicate myself through these unrated extended versions. And I did develop a big appreciation for them. Like you said, without them, we wouldn't have that uh, genre blowing up like it has been period and real quick so. before we move off this i do want to mention randos the reason is because brian is more of a hobbit trilogy fan oh when those came out he he just mm. he loved those films so much i love them so much <laughs> <laughs> which quick throwback if you want to check out a fandom failure podcast way back when we first started you'll have to scroll way back yeah way we back. had our buddy matt muller on and uh we actually did a fandom failure review of the hobbit yes. trilogy yeah and we shit on it so if you're i mean for something to listen to dude you can't deny that one of the better scenes in all the fantasy films is the river scene with the barrels because in my opinion that is camera work done right it doesn't happen in the books <laughs> i'm sorry the book just kidding just kidding now I, I hated the hobbit even i knew as a mediocre uh tolkien fan that was blasphemy so, yeah no i don't like the hobbit trilogy. not good <laughs> yeah all right what do you got brian all right i'm gonna switch up my list a little bit here i'll admit whoa 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 we're pivoting yes i'm pivoting myself because as we're talking and as i'm thinking there's one movie that has affected me recently that 
I need to mention, and I'm going to replace the crow because that was going to be my pick. Oh, see, I had that so online too. It's going to be an honorable mention. I'm sorry. I just can't talk about the crow more than I can talk about Interstellar. It is one of my top, it will forever be one of my top five movies ever. And even top three sometimes, ever since I've seen that goddamn movie. So, fandom failure for me, I still haven't seen it. Yeah, I can't believe you. I mean, and I have people yell at me. I have, like, dude. I ordered the 4K Ultra HD edition. You have to watch it. All right. It's like this movie, I've always been interested in space and uh, the unknown and what really is going on with our universe and reality and all this shit, right? Black holes. Interstellar explored everything that my mind kind of ventures off into when I'm daydreaming. And they did it in a way, Christopher Nolan did it in a way that just blows your fucking mind out of your head. It's the score alone. If you want to talk about the, it's definitely my number one score ever. The music and the score is bar none better than anything I've ever seen. And then put it together with what's happening on screen and you have a spectacle that men very few can top very few movies can top yeah my buddy patrick who i work with i mean he was floored because i'm a big nolan fan yeah like a huge nolan me fan. too and it's again it's one of my personal fandom failures that i have not seen this film and it's i just feel like there's always something kind of in the way when i yeah. go to watch it but i'll i'll make the time it is I'll one of those ones you want to sit down focus turn it up loud and have it on the highest definition you possibly can and that's why I'm glad I saw it in theaters because it was a fucking experience. And um, it's got its flaws. The only thing keeping it number one off my list is the ending. I won't spoil it for you. Uh, there's some loosey-goosiness to the ending and how they wrap things up. But it doesn't affect too much for me. Just a little bit. The acting, Matthew McConaughey is golden. Jessica Chastain is golden. It's, the emotions in this movie are golden. It's, I can't explain it enough. And it just, I mean, the picture we have of a black hole started with the scientist he used to create the image of a black hole in that movie. And that's how, you know, a lot of things started. And it was scientifically accurate for the most part. I mean, it is a movie. So there's just something magical about that friggin movie it's insane and like mm. the alternate future it's not too far ahead but you know they pretend that the moon landing is fake just subtle little details that really make this movie stick out and it's actually the second nolan film on my list i have here today so that says something but oh you're ending with a nolan film too yeah uh, so. yeah and um everyone should see it if you've ever been curious about space if you've ever been curious about epic sci-fi adventures this is a movie you have to see now i kind of want to snipe you oh, on the nolan film boy. try to figure out what you're gonna pick oh boy because i had a couple on my list that it was tough for me not to include here right because they impacted me they got me into the i guess we'll call it the nolan verse yeah uh but i'll i'll let you keep your uh <laughs> let you keep your nolans over there I'm going to go with Donnie Darko. Donnie Darko. My final pick was Donnie Darko. came out in 2001, and this was kind of the launching point of uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and Maggie Gyllenhaal's career. And the launching point of my depression. <laughs> For <laughs> sure. I think I told this story before, but yeah. I, I saw it with my good buddy Joe, and his brother was um, 
he was in the Marines, he was overseas, and he ended up bringing back a like a ripped bootleg copy of it because it wasn't even out on DVD yet. Oh my god! And he gave it he gave it to me or he gave it to Joe. Joe brought it over, and we ended up chilling in my room with like I had like one or two other people there. And he's like, dude, he's like, my brother said this movie's amazing. I'm like, all right, yeah, man, let's check it out. <laughs> and we were, like, so horrifically depressed. Oh, my God, Like, dude. when it plays Mad World at the end. Yeah. And, like, you Mad realize World. you realize what's going on. But I fell in love with the film, and it really got me into uh, kind of introspective. And, like, like, this film, I went down, like, a I went down a rabbit hole. Yeah. No pun intended, because there's that, a rabbit hole in this film. But, you know. Yeah. Speaking of like black holes, well, time I was travel. gonna say this is what Interstellar was for me. Sent me down that rabbit hole, you know. And you know, I was this is back in like the still relatively kind of like early internet days. Yeah. So I was hopping on like I'm going into forums. Which remember those people? I don't many people use right? forums anymore. We didn't have the world is flatters or anything like that. <laughs> just straight up facts on the internet. But you know, researching. Um, like the Roberta Sparrow, all that shit with yep. the philosophy of time travel, um, getting the DVD, figuring out the hidden shit. And I just went down a huge rabbit hole, and it really intrigued me to look into other movies that were really kind of introspective like that, that I'd have to think about, that would make me feel things. Um, you know, things like um, Jacob's Ladder, A Clockwork Orange. Yeah. Um, and then uh, there's a couple others, and there's one I don't want to mention it in case it's one of your picks. Right. But... It was a huge film that impacted me uh, again when in when I was in high school, and it really kind of set the stage for me looking for other films like that, and uh, I appreciated what it did. Yeah, absolutely, and that was always one of the <clears throat> that was another movie it took me a little bit to get into because when I was young and dumb and into drugs and everything, my mind just couldn't really process what was happening in the movie. I'd pretend like, oh, yeah, it's a wicked good movie, blah, blah, blah. But I had no clue what was really going on. I think when I was like 16, 17, finally, I watched it again. I was like, holy shit, time travel, you know. The, all, sound, the soundtrack alone is. Yeah, all living things die alone. Patrick Swayze's a pedo, like, holy shit. And he then had some kind of kitty porn dungeon. <laughs> yeah, it clicked. And everything about the movie <clears throat> I became a huge fan after that. And like you said, I kind of went into the whole research thing and down the rabbit hole of looking into what the movie was about. And I loved it. Well, Frank will bring you down the rabbit hole. Why are you wearing that stupid human mask, Donnie? <laughs> it's my favorite part. Yeah, and that's also coincided with me just falling absolutely in love with uh, Gretchen Ross. Yeah. Jenna Malone. Yes. One of my... I know everyone was one always of my about, big crushes. Uh, everyone was always about Maggie Gyllenhaal. I thought she looked like a, an old person. <laughs> I mean, not so bad in Donnie Darko, but like, actually, she's not in the, my next movie. But um, yeah, Jenna Malone, man, Sucker Punch, Donnie Darko, and many others. Also, very quick shout out if you're looking for another kind of heartfelt film that she's in, also around this time early on, check out Life Is a House. Okay. Um, excellent. Excellent film. Also has a young Hayden Christensen, oh. um, starring. I think around the same time as Star Wars. Maybe yeah, right before, he had maybe right <clears throat> after because I think Looper came out a couple years after he filmed this. But Jumper, I'm yeah, Jumper, <laughs> yeah, Jumper. <laughs> Let's not confuse Looper with yeah, Jumper. Here. No, we don't want to do that. <laughs> hey man, honestly, Jumper wasn't I, a no, bad film. I loved it. That was it a wasn't great a bad film. Great popcorn flick, but not on the level no. of Looper. Yeah. <laughs> no. 
Um, he had his comeuppance, yeah. So that Again, doesn't surprise me. Life is a house. Life is a Great house. Film. And isn't it a, a house? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> What's your final right. pick, Brian? My final pick, honestly, I could have picked a lot more movies over this one, but I feel like there needs to be an origin to the comic book slash comic book movie fandom because we cover it so much. Yeah. So I needed to put in the movie that really reinvigorated my sense of DC and comic fandom and honestly kind of came out before the Marvel movies, I think. It did. Yeah. Batman Howard Begins. the Duck. <laughs> yeah, Howard <laughs> the Duck. I mean, although that movie introduced me to panties and the fact that I could get an erection with the... um, <laughs> What's her face there? Oh, yeah. But no. Batman Begins... You might say, what about the Dark Knight? Blah, blah, blah. No, Batman Begins is I'm right. I'm right. Yeah, I'm right with you. Is my number one for the trilogy because not only... There was a time where I completely got out of fandom. All I did was party, act stupid, and had nothing to do with books, movies, comics, music, and you know what I mean? Video games. Yeah, I just was turning stupid. And then 2008 comes around, Batman Begins comes out, and I go and see it, and I'm like, holy shit. I miss everything about Batman, DC, comics, and movies. And instantly just dropped back into fandom and saw what Nolan could do with the Batman franchise. And then The Dark Knight came out, and I was like, okay. Yeah, that's, I'm that's solidified it. Yeah, off and running. I see the Joker, Heath Ledger, and instantly got went out, dusted off my comic collection, my video game collection, and did everything started doing everything again so this really is the movie that didn't introduce me but brought me back to fandom and why i'm doing a fandom at random podcast right now it belongs in your list then yeah it was close to being in mine and you know me like batman's like my numero uno Mm -hmm. i'm a big batman guy and uh it was it was so tough for me because if i was picking you know batman begins would be the one because that that totally reinvigorated Batman in pop culture. Yes. Because we got some bad Batman films. Well, ironically, Batman, Batman, Robin, yeah, Batman Begins wasn't even the one. Dark Knight was the one that really invigorated it. 100%. Batman Begins was more of a cult classic. A lot of people overlooked Batman Begins and didn't even know for a while that there was a movie before The Dark Knight. When really it was one, the, one of the best ones, if not the best one. Sometimes I just... Yeah. And uh, but you're right. This trilogy alone reinvigorated the Batman franchise because we got Val Kilmer and George Clooney and Jim Carrey as the Riddler. Oh God! uh, It wasn't going anywhere fast. So, and and the best villain ever, Cillian Murphy as Scarecrow. Scarecrow is my favorite villain, and I think they did him a whole lot of justice in that movie. Yeah, they could they could do more with him. They could do more, but there's, I think there's there's rumors did, that in the Pattinson films we could be seeing more Scarecrow. It would be about fucking time if there was one villain that deserved to be in the Pattinson verse. It's Scarecrow. He would fit. He would fit completely in a noir thriller horror type movie. Yeah, just no more Joker, please, no. <laughs> please no more Joker. We've had enough. Yeah, no. Uh, we're going to do some honorable mentions, but I do want to piggyback off of your your Batman Begins picks with one of my honorable mentions. Yeah. I'm going to spend literally 20 seconds, but Blade. The original Blade, Wesley Snipes. Got me into techno. <laughs> that was another film that made me realize, like, holy shit, like, like superhero movies, they can be, like, graphic. They can be... Yeah. And then the other one is Spawn. 
Yes. Like those those all kind of came out somewhat around the same time, and it was like, all right, I'm I can get on board with this shit. Right. And I mean, people seem to forget nowadays. People want to bitch about black superheroes and all this shit. Man, the '90s had it. Absolutely. Absolutely. It was a ton. We had Spawn, Blade, and uh, Steel, Shaquille O'Neal. Yes. No, I'm just kidding. That's probably not one to <laughs> praise about. Nope. But yeah, we didn't care back then. If they were a good superhero, that was it. And Spawn and Blade were badass, yes. man. I had a Spawn figure that I played with as a kid for years. Oh, yeah. Years. It was just amazing. You had the chains flying out the back. and I, I was lucky, too. I remember, again, not to go too much of a tangent, but... Um, I remember going to a yard sale with my mom, yep. and this is, again, I was still relatively young, but I, at this point, I love Spawn. Todd McFarlane's artwork was otherworldly. that We had seen nothing like it, right? and I went, and I she got me a Spawn figure, but that's all I had. Dude, there was a violator, oh. and it was like... It was big, dude. And I told her, I'm like, I have to have it. I think I got it for like two dollars or something like no that. Oh shit! And I think I still to this day have it in storage. If I can find that, yeah, I'll definitely bring it and like Hell set yeah, him up. Yeah, man, he was. But uh, uh, who was it? Um, Violator was John Lo- John Leguizamo. Yeah, John. Le- yeah. He was amazing in that he role. He really was. I am the Violator. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Um, there were superhero he- movies that came before it, but Batman Begins. Brought me back yep. for all eternity. It's a good pick. Yep. Uh, honorable mentions. The Matrix goes without saying. Absolutely. Uh, Jurassic Park was another huge one for me. Yeah. Kill Bill. That was one I really tried to get in my top. Like, that hit all the right marks for me. Yeah. Uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. Again, we mentioned musicals. Tim but Burton. It's a gimme. Scream for me is an honorable mention because it that is the horror version of Batman Begins yep. where I started slipping out of horror and Scream just pulled me right back in. Yeah, Back to the Future, Star Wars, A New Hope. Um, the So here's the two films, again, in my top five, I somewhat regret not getting one of these in. But speaking of the Nolanverse, Memento... And The Prestige. Yeah. These two goddamn films. The Prestige. The Prestige, man. like, that was the one that I really regret not getting in my top five because, yeah. like, I love the whole, like, the idea of, like, magic anyway. Right. And, like, watching and, like, you know, it, it reverts you back to being a child if you can just believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, this movie, oh, my God. It's just... a Nolan movie, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. It, it If you have not seen The Prestige, Randos... Go watch that shit. Yeah, I wouldn't even want to talk about it because if you haven't seen it, that's yeah. a movie you have to go in blind. You yep. just have to watch it. Uh, Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Mm. That was another one that I was a huge animated series fan. Yep. Mask of the Phantasm came out, and I was like, oh, shit, Batman can be serious. Uh, the Goonies. <laughs> Goonies was hugely impactful on my fandom. Yeah, uh, Just all like the childhood adventure shit. It's so quotable, too. Uh, Indiana Jones. Yep. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the live action shit, which was amazing. Hell yeah. Boondock Saints. That was my style choice for a good year. Where yeah. I wore like a pea coat and a hoodie. Oh, yeah. Every day. Into, I'm still like, rocking that out. Into August, and I'm like sitting on the brick wall, like. Dude, it's so, because that's so Boston. It is. It's, just, it's literally shot and filmed, like, right in our <laughs> yeah. backyard, and, like, people still do that to this day. Everything about it was Boston, and if and you were so proud to be a Bostonian and watch Boondock Saints, yeah. <laughs> uh, Clerks, again, Kevin Smith. Yes. Huge fan. Filmmaking um, low budget, again. 
This is Spinal Tap, amazing. Yep. Sandlot, Hocus Pocus, Hocus Pocus, Hocus Pocus. It's all a bunch of Hocus Pocus. <laughs> uh, Office Space, Tremors. Yep. Which Dude, was another one that. Not to go off on anything, tell you about a quick fantasy I always had as a kid when Tremors came out. When the girl gets wrapped up in barbed wire and yep. you have to take her pants off and save her, I literally had dreams about that um, <laughs> for a while. Like okay. that I was the hero and saving her by taking her pants off and running away with her from the Tremors. Like I was a little kid dreaming about this. Probably in a soaking wet bed, but <laughs> I, I'm not ashamed to admit it. That was like a fantasy of mine. I was like, wish I could just save a girl from a tremor and barbed wire, you know. <laughs> so, all right. So, you need to buy some, go to oh. wish.com, get some fake barbed wire. Yeah. Ru- roll it around, roll out, tell Taylor, <laughs> roll it around, pull the pants off, and then run. If I want to be single, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> There's people I could pay for that. <laughs> um, a, a last one I had was the room. Which is just amazing. That 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 got me into a whole fandom of actually purposely looking for movies that are so bad the, that they're amazing. The room with Brie Larson? No. Oh. No, that's room. Room, okay. I'm talking about the room with Oh hey Ma. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> what a funny story. <laughs> Holy shit. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Hi that doggy. Wouldn't have made my list, but absolutely you're right. <laughs> Hi doggy. But that about wraps things up brian you have anything else you want to add before we uh start making our way out here nah man we covered a lot of good stuff i like it hey randos you can check us out at fandom at random.com all the ways to follow like subscribe you know the drill you know it but we have a bunch more great content on the horizon we got a sonic movie 2 review coming up you know make sure you're clicking that bell and subscribing absolutely so you're on the party bus with us (laughs) wait we have a party bus coming yeah Oh, hell yeah. YouTube Subscribe. Is, YouTube is the party bus. All right. Mm. I love it. Later, Randos. Bye-bye. Later. Bye.